Hi, I'm Jesse Telgenhoff, your early childhood director, and I have the privilege of teaching the preschoolers. 2021 has been an amazing year. Our wonderful children's ministry team, consisting of Shania, Emily, Shauna, Laurel, Susie, Bree, and Elisa, have loved serving your kids and teaching them about Jesus in some creative and new ways. One thing that will never change is us sharing the love of Jesus at every service, every program and event that we hold. That's right, Jesse. Hey, I'm Don Budry, your Kids Place Director, and I am blessed to teach kindergarten through third grade. What a fun group it is. We have had an amazing year at Adventure Club where we see 200 or so kids each week. We've seen 29 kids come to Christ this year at Adventure Club alone. And at our weekly Sunday services, we've seen 34 kiddos come to Christ. And we've baptized 12 kiddos this year, along with seeing multiple families dedicating their precious little ones to the Lord, all thanks to our faithful and fun volunteers. It's been truly amazing to see what God is doing in the hearts and minds of kiddos. But wait, there's more. Yes, that's <laughs> right, there is. This year, we were back to in-person day camp. We yes. had a treasure day camp. It was awesome. We had 342 kiddos that got to hear that they are God's precious treasures. And we saw 11 kiddos come to Christ. Wow. It was amazing. And that's all because of our amazing team of 149 volunteers. This year at Easter, we did something new. Oh, and it was so rewarding. We had an Easter scavenger hunt all throughout our community, alongside with our incredible volunteers who hosted the sites where kids and families from all over the county got to see and experience the Passion Week. And of course, they got some treats. We always have treats. We love treats here at Children's Ministry. <laughs> we also had a great time passing out those treats to kiddos and adults who came to the Dutch treat for Halloween. Over 500 families stopped by and they went home with more than just candy. We also had the honor of serving families in need at the Christmas gift this year, where thanks to your generosity, 105 families received a warm coat, toys, stocking stuffers, food boxes filled with meat, pies, bread, butter, and so much more, all for their 289 kiddos. And that's because of our amazing family of volunteers. You truly are the best. Are you noticing a theme here yet? Volunteers, it's you. It's because of you that makes all of this possible. None of this could happen without you. So thank you so much for helping us reach kids, bring them into God's kingdom by giving of your gifts and your talents. We are so excited for 2022 oh, yeah. and all the amazing adventures we are going to be going on and the opportunities we have to teach children about God. And we wanna especially thank you for your generous giving. We would like to invite you to experience firsthand all that God is doing in and through the lives of kiddos. So come and join us in children's ministry. We would love to have you join our team and you'll have a ton of fun, I promise you, sharing your faith. We absolutely love this church family and we are so very, very blessed by you. Thank, Thank you. you.
Hey North County, I am Matt Bateman, your family life pastor and the director of the Middle and High School North County Youth Program. I'm here with Bo Lindsay, our new fourth and fifth grade edge director and with our ministry managers, Maddie and Mackenzie. We are the leaders of the North County Student Ministries programs. 2021 was an amazing year. Hundreds of students attended our ministry programs, dozens were saved, and many were baptized. It was an incredibly encouraging year and amazing things happened. Last summer, a group of our high schoolers went to Puerto Rico and spread the love of Jesus. They played with kids, they cleaned up an old museum to turn it into a food bank and, and a day camp for kids. And they even got to see the miracle of the flies. If you wanna know more about that, you gotta ask us sometime. But these students' lives have been changed forever in seeing God work in such a different culture and environment. In addition, we have a ministry called Outspoken, and it is for our student leaders to be discipled and to help grow. And every Sunday, we uh, just teach them um, more about Jesus and how to help lead their students. And those high school students, in turn, get to disciple middle school students and edge students on a weekly basis. Besides those kids, we also have an amazing group of volunteers. I mean, the best of the best. And each week, these volunteers give their time, their energy, and they share the gospel with students in deep relationship. And if you're even interested in volunteering, we would love to talk to you. We are always looking for more volunteers to engage with the North County students. 2022 is gonna be an amazing year. We're really excited to see what God has in store for us. And we're really appreciative of your prayer and support. And we just thank you, church. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all your love. We love you guys. See you later. Yeah. I love it. Some really, really cool things happening. And uh, man, can you believe it's only January? I mean, we're almost through it. It feels like there's been 58 days in the month of January. I don't know. It's been crazy long. Oh, man. Well, hey, good morning. My name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really excited to be with you. Um, speaking of January, speaking of families, we're in this series called Rally. And the whole idea was this. If, if this is your first time, welcome, but you're at the very end of a five-week series. So I'm going to recap very quickly. Um, the idea was this. Our, our lives have been changing quite rapidly for the last two years. And so we set goals and then life changed. And all of a sudden, those goals are no longer relevant to the life that we've changed and found ourselves living. So we decided, why don't we just rally around five things this year? And whatever happens in life, we're still going to focus, we're going to be lasered in on these five things. And so that's pretty much what we decided to do. Uh, week one in January, we talked about advancing the gospel. We all thought, man, come whatever is going to happen in 2022, that's probably a good thing for us to focus on. Are you with me? Yeah, that's, that's when you say amen in church, right there, is when we advance the gospel. Uh, the second thing, we decided, man, growing in discipleship, we really want not just to increase biblical knowledge, but our faithfulness and our obedience to Jesus. So we're going to focus on those things this year. Number three, creating community through small groups. The bigger our church gets, the more difficult it is to connect with people. And so small groups are a huge, huge thing that we're doing. Uh, number four, practicing hospitality as evangelism. And then today, we're talking about strengthening families and immediately. Immediately, all the single people grabbed their notes, folded them in half, and threw them out. 
Here's what I want you to do. Here's my promise to you. Um, hang in there with me. Yes, I'm going to focus on parenting and raising kids. So grandparents, don't tune out either. But uh, we're going to talk about some principles that are universal to relationships and also apply to any element of leadership. So I prom- that's my promise to you. Hopefully you'll promise to stick with me for the next hour and a half as we solve the parenting issue. Um, it's a question that many parents have, and it's probably, if you had parents, a question that you've asked your parents at one point in time. And the question is this, if you're a parent, the question is, how do I know if I'm doing a good job? And if you're a kid of a parent, you have asked the question this way, do my parents think they're doing a good job? Like, you've just kind of been curious. And my parents used to tell me this all the time. They're like, have a little grace with us. You didn't come with an owner's manual. Like, there's books out there that you can read, but you know this. If you're a parent, you read this book, and it says, this is the best and only way to parent. All other ways are foolish. And you're like, oh, that's, okay. And then you read one that says, you need to parent this way. All the other ones are foolish at best. And you're like, I I don't know what to do. Let me give you a couple examples. We all work through this and go, am I doing a good job? Am I succeeding here? Am I doing the right thing? Let me give you a list. Sleep training. When you have a young kiddo, Every parent goes, do I let them cry it out or do I walk in there and soothe them and rock it by a baby till 4.30 in the morning and then lay them down? No one knows, right? Some say yes, some say no. Food, man, am I doing the, uh, everything's organic and gluten-free and all that fun stuff or how many times are we really going to McDonald's this week, <laughs> right? We wrestle with all these things. And by the way, ask any other parent and don't, don't ever Google it because you'll feel about this big in your parenting. Uh, play dates. Am I doing this right? How should I expose my kids to other people? And we all know play dates are really where mom and dad are judging other moms and dads on their children. We know this, right? Uh, school. Here's another one. How do we know if we're doing a good job? Do we send them to public, to private, or do we homeschool them? And of course, shout it out. The correct answer is <laughs> exactly. Technology. You got the internet. When do they get a phone? Do they get a phone? Do they get social media? What social media platforms do they get? Quick sidebar, can we just give mom and dad a little grace when they go to the restaurant and they give their kids an iPad? (laughs) And if you do that, mom and dad, include headphones. No one in the restaurant wants to (laughs) hear what you're watching. But you know what I mean? Maybe mom and dad have been locked up and they need to go out and just be around other human beings. Maybe the kid has been an absolute terror and they could use 45 minutes of just screen time and doing nothing. I don't know, just a public service announcement that I thought about. As your kids get older, dating. Go ahead and shout it out one more time. What's the correct age to start dating? (laughs) I love it. And then Jesus. Am I doing a good job? Am I bringing them to church? Am I being too legalistic with it? Am I being too gracious with it? What devotions are we doing? Are we doing devotions? What prayers are we doing? When are we going to pray? How are we going to pray? What church do we go to? Do we stay there forever? Do we move around? What, how do I? I don't know. How am, how, am I doing a good job? And I want to take a little bit of time and help us come to a conclusion and really get some tools where we can answer that question. And, and I just want to encourage all of us parents, um, we're probably doing better than we think we are. Just as a general rule, we're probably doing better than we think we are. Is there room for improvement? You bet. Of course there is. But let's cut ourselves a little bit of slack. 
The amount of guilt and shame that moms and dads feel. By the way, this list is not exhaustive. There's so many more topics that I could put up there. But the amount of shame, the amount of guilt that mom and dad have based on how their kids are growing up and the choices they're making is, is unbelievable. It is incredibly heavy. And so one of the things we wanted to do this year was really partner with moms and dads. That's why we showed you all the great things that are happening here. Um, and one of the ways to partner with you guys is, is we're going to explore three principles and these are things that we can talk about in our small groups. These are things that we can talk about throughout the year. And really, it's just it's three things that we're going to use as a foundation to build our parenting, to raise our family on. Now, before we jump into the three things, I got to break a myth when it comes to parenting. Uh, and we may not say it this way, but here, here's the myth. The myth is if I parent the right way, my kids will turn out the right way. Like I say, we don't really say that. But I'm telling you, when it comes to the books we read, the uh, philosophy of how we're going to parent, we buy into this all the time. And if we're not careful, we can see and experience or maybe even do ourselves, we will judge other people's parenting and go, they're not doing it right. Well, look at their kid. It's a direct result of their relationship to their parents. You know, if their mom would just do this, if dad would just do this, then, and I'm telling you, it's a myth. And here's why it's a myth. Because those little boogers... They have their own will. And, and some of them are strong-willed, aren't they? And, so, and here's what's crazy about it. You can get all the right information. You can do all the right things. All of your like mom social media groups that you're a part of for parenting and all the dad things and all the things that we do, we can get it all laid out. And then you have one kid and you're like, yes, this is how it's supposed to be. And it's perfect. And then you have a second kid. And they're totally different. What you did with the first one doesn't at all work with the second one. So then not only do you have to come up, you have house rules, right? Everyone in our house, this is how we live. But then you have to have child-specific rules. And those of you who have more than two kids, you're outnumbered. You've moved from man-to-man -man coverage to zone. Zone defense doesn't win championships. You have no idea what you're supposed to do. And then we go into this, this whole idea of raising our children and church and Jesus and what do we do with this? And closely related to this myth is the following one that we believe in. Godly parents guarantee godly kids. And it's just not true. Godly parents do not guarantee godly kids because they have their own will and they make their own choice. I've talked to so many parents, again, the guilt and shame. If I only would have done devotions this way, if I was only home more, if we would have prayed together more as a family, if we would have made church a priority, then my child would have had a better relationship with Jesus, would be more involved in the church, wouldn't be making these choices, but would be making these choices instead. And I'm telling you, it is a myth and one that the devil would love for all of us to believe in but you know this to be true. Godly parents don't necessarily guarantee godly kids. And we have to wrap our minds around that because again, the weight of the guilt and shame that I'm the sole responsibility for how this little human being turns out, that weight is incredibly, incredibly heavy. So uh, think, think of it this way. Um, write down this equation, if you will. Okay, here we go, it's on here. Um, this is the myth. But, but here's what we think. We think perfect parents 
plus a perfect environment, nature and nurture, this is gonna equal godly living. And this is not true. Let me go one step further. Think, think Adam and Eve for a moment, okay? Think Adam and Eve. Think you have your perfect heavenly father. You with me? This is God the Father. Plus the Garden of Eden, perfect environment. Plus, by the way, they didn't have a sin nature. What does that equal? It equaled sinful living, didn't it? God said, don't eat that. (laughs) They ate it. So I, I'm sharing all this stuff because, man, we, we need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack. We need to relax a little bit and just understand that, man, we love our kids so much. God loves our kids so much more than we possibly could imagine. There, there's a shortcoming that we will just have simply because we're human, and we have to trust that God will fill in the gaps. And I know I can hear it. Some of you are pushing back a little bit and you're like, well, what about that one verse that says, you know, if you raise your kids to follow Jesus, they're going to follow Jesus forever. It's this one right here. You've probably read it. This is the New King James Version, but it's very familiar to parents. It says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not what? He's not going to depart from it. NIV translated this way, very similar. Train up a child in the way he should go. Oh, that's, there it is. Start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. The problem with this is that this is a proverb. This is not a promise. Those are two totally different things. A proverb is this. Let me give you the definition. It's a short, pithy saying in general use, stating a general truth or piece of advice. Meaning as a general rule, more often than not, if you wanted, you could, you know, more often than not, this is going to happen. If you raise your kids this way, most likely they're going to go that way. But there are always exceptions to it. These are not promises. These are proverbs. These are uh, sayings of wisdom. These are as a general rule. If you do this most often, good things are going to result of doing this. This is what, what a proverb is. It is not a promise. So we have to keep all these things in mind. Godly kids do not, or godly parents don't guarantee godly kids. And raising a kid the right, the right way doesn't guarantee that they will do the right things. So here's the million dollar question, especially as it relates to Jesus. What if I've been raising my kid this way and my son or my daughter, they have walked away from the Lord. They've left the church, they've left the faith. What, what's the correct response? And I, I simply wanna say this, the correct response is to pray and pray and pray and pray and do some more praying And then when you're done praying, call some friends together and pray. And pray. And I I rest in the fact, listen, I'm I'm raising two kids. They're gonna be pastor's kids. PKs have a reputation. I'm aware. (laughs) My hope is that I will have a community and friends together that if they decide to leave the church, if they decide to leave the faith, that we will rally and we will pray. And we will pray, and we will pray. I rest my hat on the parable of Jesus being the good shepherd. He leaves the 99 sheep and goes after the one. I think there's a lot of hope for people in that parable. So so what do we do? Because obviously we don't want that for our kids. 
Do you, do you know what I mean? We, we don't want them, that for our kids. And I know I've, I've broken down a myth, and I probably destroyed a proverb that some of you have like held on dearly to <laughs> as the base for your parenting. And so I, I'm so sorry, but I want to give us these three principles that I think will be very, very helpful and will serve us well as a foundation to raise our families on. So with that in mind, here's the first one. The first one is this. Number one, make sure we're aiming at the right goal. Make sure we're aiming at the right goal. And here's what I'm going to suggest is the right goal. We're trying to raise godly 30-year-olds, not award-winning teenagers and young adults. We're going to move the finish line from 18 to 30. Don't be legalistic. There's nothing magical about the number 30. It's just bigger than 18. Those of you who are 18 or you're uh, young adults and you're in your 20s and you're frustrated about that, don't get mad at me, get mad at science and biology. Depending on who you read, the frontal lobe in your brain is not fully developed till you're 25 or 28. So if we take that and you, you go with that, you literally are not thinking clearly until you're at least 25, 28. You need an adult. You need a parent. You need someone to help you. Now, do not parent your 20-year-old like they're two. That's not going to go well for anybody, right? So there are seasons and things will change along the way. But I'm telling you, you don't want to raise award-winning teenagers and young adults. You want to raise godly 30-year-olds. Nothing wrong with awards, nothing wrong with prizes, but I'm telling you, if your kid peaks at 25 and it's downhill from there, that's going to be a long and challenging and difficult life. You don't want them to have all the awards and not have any character, You don't want them to have all the recognition and all the praise growing up and no relationship with God. We are trying to raise godly 30-year-olds, not prize-winning, award-receiving teenagers and young adults. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their soul? You can get all the accolades, but at the end of the day, if you do not know Jesus, what's the point? Gets worse Because in our society, we praise achievement. Character is an afterthought. I love sports, so this is not a bash on sports, but you ever notice that the all-stars get special privileges that the rest of us don't? That's why a good coach, a good coach not only develops skill, but also character. It's like, hey, buddy, thanks for making the the game-winning shot, but uh, if you ever treat your teammate like that again, I'm putting you on the bench. We're trying to develop godly character, godly relationships, godly choices in adults, and not just some rock star in high school or early college. You want to carry this all the way out through their adult life. It's a little acronym. I think it's kind of cute and kind of funny, but I think it'll be helpful for you. It is for me, and it says this, G-O-D over G-P-A and M-V-P. This is the focus, G-O-D. GPA is great. What does that instill? A hard work ethic, discipline, sacrifice. These are all really, really good things. MVP, same thing. These are all really good things, and they develop character as well. But I'm telling you, what good is it is to gain all of these things and lose this? It's not. It's not good at all. Um, if, if we have the long view in mind, if we're going for 30, we have to develop certain rhythms and routines and rituals in our family. One of the things that I'm trying to do with my boys is introduce them to the things that I love, because it's selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. Um, I love snowboarding. 
I like being outdoors. I like mountains. I like adventure and, and just flying down a mountain uh, on snow with like a piece of snowboarding stuff on your feet is, is amazing to me. I'm trying to instill that in both my kids. This is me and Nolan up at Baker. Now here's the method to the madness. Uh, from our home, it's about an hour and a half drive up there. Which means it's an hour and a half drive back. Which means when we go snowboarding, I have three hours to sit and talk and be available to my son. Now, <laughs> he's seven. So the conversations we're having is, Dad, does God get hungry? And if he does, what's his favorite food? Oh, by the way, this doesn't count the lines and sitting on a chairlift. I'm going for the long game. I'm trying to instill something into Nolan and into Nixon that we can do this throughout their lives up until the age of 30 so that I have, whenever we decide to do this, three hours. It's a long drive. And he's stuck with me. He can't go anywhere. So that somewhere along the line, whether it's middle school, high school, college, probably all of those, he can say, hey, Dad, can I ask you something? And we have time to have that conversation. I don't, listen, we live busy lives. I don't want his childhood to be rushed. I want to create space where we can have these conversations so he can ask questions about God and he can wrestle with me about his doubt or his faith in God or what do I do with this friend over here and how do I handle this? I'm trying to create rhythms and space throughout our lives where we can be uninterrupted and have those conversations. For me, it's snowboarding, and in the summer, it's mountain bike riding, right? So we'll go up to Galbraith, and we'll have two hours there. But I'm trying to instill these things where we do things together, because why? I want him to be a godly 30-year-old. I don't care if he gets sponsored in college for snowboarding or mountain biking. That's not the goal at all. I want him to be a godly 30-year-old. So we got to carve out time where we can have these conversations. We can ask questions. We can be honest with one Another. So we have to build in these things. And I, listen, if you don't like any of that, that's great. Go hiking. Do you know what I mean? Like go out on the water, create, create an activity that you can do as a family so that when you're old and decrepit, they still call you and want to do it too. You're like, I'm like, listen, Nolan, I can't snowboard like I used to. My back hurts, my knees don't bend anymore, but I, I can drive. <laughs> and I'll watch you. Second thing I think we can do, we have to remind ourselves of this. We have to remember this. We have to lead by example. I like to say it this way. Number two on your notes, more is caught than taught. Leading by example is the most important thing for our kiddos. Remember single people and people that don't have kids, this principle very much applies to leadership, to business, to life. More is caught than taught. We can talk all day, can't we? But if our kids see us doing something else, they're gonna see the disconnect. In Deuteronomy chapter six, pick it up in verse four, it says this, this is Moses. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
Jump down to verse 20, because we all know if we do this, here's what's going to come. In the future, when your son asks, what is the meaning of all this? <laughs> you know it's going to happen. If you start living a certain way and you create these rhythms and these routines and you start leading by example, your kid eventually is going to go, uh, Dad, <laughs> why do we do this? Here's what it says. What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Verse 21, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised an oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. Dad, why do you make us go to church? Dad, why do we always pray? Dad, why do we always read the Bible? <laughs> Son, let me tell you. There was a time where your father did not know Jesus. And then boom, we're off to the races, aren't we? It's an opportunity as I live my life, as my wife lives her life, as parents, as we raise our kids, as we set in the motions of things that we do and things that we do not do as parents, eventually our kids will ask, uh, why you do that? And then we get to tell them how Jesus has radically changed our lives. And when you experience that, what else could you do with your life but to follow Jesus? We have to model these things. This is why I think small groups are so important, especially if you've got young kids, because why? Every week they're going to see mom and dad meeting with other moms and dads and other people, opening up the scriptures, praying together, growing in their faith. This isn't something where I just drop my kid off at church and say, here, you do it. No, I want them to see the rhythms, the routines. I want them to see dad open up the Bible, not just because it's his job on Sunday, but because he loves the Lord. We have to do these things. If you're new in your faith and you feel self-conscious, you don't know how to lead by example, uh, we have so many classes and groups and opportunities here at the church. You, you need to jump in. You can do this. You need to do this, especially if you want this for your kids. One quick thing on leading by example, and then we'll move to point number three, but this is so important. We have to lead by example because if we're not careful, there are unintended consequences to the choices that we make. So here's a couple of them, and I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anyone or step on your toes. I'm just trying to, to, to say, look, here are some unintended consequences of decisions that we make. I did youth ministry for 10 years. These are all observations that I did or that I, I made as it related to the kids that were in my youth ministries. <sighs> Grounding your kids from, from church. I'm telling you as a parent, don't do that. And you're like, well, they have a lot of fun because all their friends are there. And we're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Because if church is boring, they wouldn't want to be there in the first place. You want your kids to always go to church because you want them to be around other kids that are trying to aim and point their lives towards Jesus. Don't punish them that way. Take away all sorts of other things. Don't take away church. This is where we develop that character that points us towards Jesus. Here's the second thing I watch moms and dads do. Skipping church attendance. Now hear me out. I do not want to be legalistic with this thing. Not one bit. But I'm telling you, this matters. Because here's what, here's what kids hear growing up. They say, church is really important. It's the most important thing until something else is more important. 
sports, homework, spending the night at a friend's house, whatever, you name it. And I'm not against any of those things. I'm just saying there's a balance there. And eventually, more is caught than taught. Eventually, our kids will realize that church isn't that important because we miss it all the time. Because we don't, quote unquote, feel like it. There may be seasons in our life where church, showing up to church and participating might be more of a discipline than a joy. And we can instill discipline into our kids. Now, hopefully that season is very, very short and you love church. I mean, that's the idea, right? But there will be times where kids need to realize that, hey, this is in fact a commitment because life will be pulling at you from all sorts of directions and you need to be able to decide, nope, this is what we do. This is what I do. Here's another one. Respect for authority. We have to model this well. If we don't model this well, our kids will learn that you can respect authority as long as you agree with it. And if you disagree with it, well, you can call people all sorts of names and be really, really unchristlike to them. How we respect authority is incredibly, incredibly important because we're teaching our kids something. And this is huge, not just as it relates to you know, teachers and coaches and government and all of this stuff, how it relates to God. Because what are they gonna do when God says, hey, Nolan, I need you to go this way. And he goes, no, nope, that's difficult. That doesn't line up with my plan. I don't want to. My friends are going this way. So God, I'm going this way. Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> or maybe any of us. But this is a really big deal. We have to model this because the unintended consequences, they go, yeah, I'm all about respecting authority and honoring people. Yeah, unless I think it's dumb. Then I won't. Here's the last one. And these two are very closely related. Obedience. Sometimes in life, things do not make sense. Sometimes in life, things are unclear. Sometimes in life, we don't like it. Sometimes in life, God will have us do things that are unclear, that we don't necessarily like, that we can't see the long-term outcome of. And we wonder, what is going to be the fruit of this labor that has everything to do with our obedience, our faithfulness to God? And our kids are watching how we respond. And how we respond, and this is difficult. This is putting our money where our mouth is, isn't it? But how we respond to these things instills values and lessons into our kids. So much more I could say about all these things, but we gotta keep going. Okay, here's the third one. Here's the final one. A principle that I think we all need to build on, and it's this number three. Teach them, our kids, to be salt and light in a dark world. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of a world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And this is crucial. Glorify your father in heaven. We are raising 30-year-olds that when they live their lives and they go to work and they live in a dark, dark world and they have relationships and friendships and all sorts of things with people that are far from Jesus, we need to instill in them the value of being salt and light so that as they live their lives, other people see Jesus in them. And not only do they just acknowledge that Jesus is in their lives, but they, what Jesus is saying, glorify God because of a result of how they have lived their lives. This 
is huge. We have to teach our kids how to thrive in a dark world because Jesus commanded us to. He says, you need to love everybody. And he says, you need to love God with all your heart. And he says, you need to make disciples of all nations. That means as you and I go and we live our lives, we're, whoever we interact with, wherever we interact with them, we are to love them and point them towards Jesus. And to be salt and light means we are raising godly 30-year-olds that the way they vote, the way that they talk, the way that they post online, I won't go there. People see that and they, say, they see Jesus and they respond with glorifying God. Now hear me out. These are three principles. Here's the challenge for you and I. This week, I want us to pick one. Just one. We'll put them up here on the screen. But, but one that we're going to implement this week. Maybe for you, you've, you need to adjust the goal. You've been aiming at 18, and I'm telling you, that's not the cutoff. It can't be the cutoff. The 20s is a crazy, crazy decade to be alive. It, it is just, it's insane. You make so many decisions that will radically impact the following decades of your life in your 20s. It's unbelievable. They need parents to help guide through that. I know I did. You probably did too on some level. Um, so maybe for you, it's adjusting the goal. Maybe for some of us here, it is, man, more is caught than taught. I need to actually lead by example. And this also includes admitting that we're wrong, that we've sinned, and modeling what healthy repentance looks like for our kids. And again, age specific, right? As they grow, this is going to look a little bit different. And then number three, teach them to be salt and light, which means that we have to be salt and light as well. So our task this week is to pick one. <laughs> Don't be an overachiever. Just pick one. Now hear me out. Imagine, imagine just if we all did this. Imagine if we all did this. We just said, you know what? Out of all these things, I, just more is caught than taught. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to step my game up here. We're playing the long game. Uh, imagine what this does for your family tree. Imagine what this does for your neighbors, for your friends, and their family tree. Imagine 30 years from now. What, what does this look like? How has your family benefited? What, what, what character is instilled in your kiddos? The long game, 30 years. Moms and dads walking and talking and following Jesus and raising their kids to do the same. Imagine what happens to our community. I'm telling you, it changes the world. It's not an overnight thing. It is a 30-year thing. So here's how I want to close. We're, we're going to bring the band up. We're going to close by singing a song. But... Um, if anyone is in the room, here's how I want to do this. If you are a parent of someone under the age of 30, I want to pray for you specifically this morning. So I'm going to ask that if you have a parent under the age of 30, would you stand up? And the rest of us simply, we're just going to extend our right hand, simply signifying that, hey, we're for you. We're praying with you. This, listen, you've heard the phrase, it takes a village. I'm telling you, it takes a church. It takes a church. So if you're the parent, if you online, man, type in the chat section. I'm standing, <laughs> symbolically. If you're watching on TV and streaming it, just look over to your spouse and go, yeah, we'd be standing if we were there, right? And go, yes, yes, we would. Okay. 
But know that you've got a church community that says, I see you. This is really hard. I've done difficult things in my life. And I'm telling you, man, I've got kids that are three and seven. Here's where I'm at in this process. We all have stories of failure. We all have stories of some success. And we all have some stories where we're hoping God is gonna intervene in the midst of all of it. And we need each other. And most importantly, we need Jesus. So let's bow our heads. I would love to pray for you. Your church community is praying with you as well. If you're sitting down, would you just raise your right hand just in agreement? Lord, I lift up each and every parent. God, I thank you that we all have the great joy, privilege, and honor of raising children. And God, it is difficult (laughs) most of the time. So Father, we ask for your help. For the mom or dad that is struggling, that feels that they could do so much more, that they should have done so much more. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would remove that guilt and that shame immediately. And Father, where we fall short, would we trust that you will come and you will fill in the gaps? Help us to be consistent in our love. Help us to be consistent in our discipline. Help us to be consistent in our communication. And Father, where we fall short, would the church community rally behind us? Would your Holy Spirit move in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine? And I pray, Lord, not for today, but for 30 years down the road. Would not just our family and not just this community, Lord, I pray that Whatcom County would be radically transformed. We're standing, Lord, would you help us? The undertaking is so huge. We trust you, Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, the rest of you, would you stand with us? We're gonna close by singing one more song.